Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to, oh, what's that? The Jingle Bells? The Holiday Party After Party. Woo! I'm dressed as a reindeer. Did you notice? (laughs) No, but I did notice you're wearing a spirit shirt, and that made me very happy. (laughs) (laughs) I made vegan eggnog, so I notice nothing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Do you all want to come around and learn about the meaning of Hanukkah? Here we go. Eric, it's weird that you just put on that Rugrats episode every year. Listen, that's honestly a lot easier than having to explain it every single year. And that's the only Hanukkah media I need. Or Ross, the worst canonical person from Friends. Yes. Mm. I heard you, Brandon. (laughs) I know about the the Maccabees from Ross. (laughs) But what if Apple just screamed the story of Hanukkah at us every year? Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. Here's why we eat, we eat oily foods. That's why it's a holiday. I brought you jelly donuts. Eat it. <laughs> I will. Sure. Um. Hey. Uh. Thirty under thirty media luminary Manny McLaughlin. Oh can no. You, can you read our questions? Yes. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Eric, um, for gathering these questions into fun named segments, as is your want. <laughs> so we're gonna start here with let's talk about the holiday party. That's the first. Um, that's the first like overarching segment. Do do do. Sub segment is Taylor Swift. Swift questions. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that everyone, although we had like a massive fight that w- had a lot of resonance, told us a story and revealed small crumbs mm-hmm. about the larger arc. Yeah. No, we're just talking about the holiday party. Yeah. You put Taylor Swift in your campaign. That's on you, dude. <laughs> the That's people fair. know what they want to know. So well, I will. No, I want to tease them with Taylor Swift, but I do want to, you three to tell the story, much like the story of the Maccabees, about how... <laughs> the holiday party came together and why we were doing this. Wait, is Ross Jewish on Friends? Yeah, yeah. Ross and Monica are both half Jewish. Fascinating. Didn't know that. It's his only redeeming quality. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could say that, but good. <laughs> no, I want. I would love to tell the story of why we did this, which I find very funny. And this is also like the relationship of a DM to players. Oh, yeah. A while, like sessions ago, I think like in the middle of of uh, join me outside as like things were ramping up. This was before the blizzard happened when I was starting to see those things and you were kind of like doing your own things. I'm like, hey, all you all do, whatever you want to do, if there's something you want to do or you want to run down, just let me know so that I can put this in there. Before in the back of my head, I was like, before the arc really gets going. And then the three of you talked and you're like, we have a proposal for it. Well, I kicked Eric out of the studio, and then uh, yeah. the th- then the three of us uh, discussed among ourselves, and I was like, guys, wouldn't it be funny if we made Eric play, like, 12 NPCs at the same event, mm-hmm. and, like, one of my siblings showed up, and uh, we just had, like, a fun romp of a holiday party. Yes, and we loved it because then we would get, like, NPC interaction that we didn't normally see and stuff, and yeah. we were all stoked about that. I just thought it'd be funny that Eric had to talk to himself for an hour, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It never feels like that in the moment, but then later I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah, I know. There, um, I, I'm going to put a pin in that because that actually is a, a thread that's happened throughout the party. <laughs> but the thing, I was asking you for things your characters wanted to do resident to the story. So I'm like, all right, fine. They're going to be able to, they're going to drive the story forward. I'm finally get player interaction. They're going to build out the world. And the three of you are like, we really want a holiday party. <laughs> we did. Well, originally it started for me as, oh, that would be a fun way for more of my siblings to come out of the woodwork because having Quinn around has been super fun. So mm-hmm. I wanted to like b- bring forth another. But then immediately the NPC um, 
uh, menagerie. But then immediately, the menagerie. The, like menagerie <laughs> the of NPCs that we're able to have was more important to me. That was fun for us. Was it fun for you? <laughs> it definitely was fun for me. I feel like that they were regular people. I feel like I understand the relationships with, between each other, and it also is like with intent. If I'm just making jokes, it's fine. I had Taylor Swift and X on the other side, and that was also a really fun thing to bounce off of. Hold on, Eric. You consider Taylor Swift and a talking rabbit as normal average people? <laughs> well, not even more like it was just funny and a joke. The other thing I'm remembering is all the way back in the first campaign when uh, we went to Antopolis for the first time and Johnny snuck into the meeting between Alonzo and uh, the guy who was running it who, had, who sounded like Tommy Wiseau. Mm-hmm. And that was really difficult because also I'd been doing this a lot less time, but I was like, oh, I need to communicate some like secret stuff and like plot (laughs) during this (laughs) while like Johnny's just standing there invisible and not (laughs) participating and he's going to be taking notes to use against me later as as it's happening. So I was thinking about that and that was incredibly difficult, but this was a lot of fun. I see. um, Because it was just like silly and fun. I'm trying to think of other times where I had to do extended periods of talking to myself. I think in um, in Bachelorette Party, the the candidates talk to each other and the narration talked to the candidates pretty often. Mm -hmm. Mm. Contestants, whatever the like an average honest. afternoon in the office, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other time that it was really difficult was right at the end. Oh, yeah. When we were doing the, like, all of the speakers of the different city-states had to say stuff. That was really difficult, especially because mm. I just introduced, like, two new ones. And, oh, like, a final battle where you played, like, five participants and the baddie? Yes, that was that was all pretty. That was all difficult. Oh yeah, where I was the I was the antagonist and like six people in yeah. that room yeah. plus mm-hmm. you two. That was really that was hard. But no, this was super fun. I, I at one point I don't remember if it made it or not. I was like, is this what stand up comedy is like? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if that made it in either. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they know. Yeah, behind the screen. Well, let's get to fan favorite NPC Taylor Swift. Um, we're going to start with a, a comment, more of a question from Sista Pamples on Twitter. Um, I had to physically pause the podcast when Taylor Swift entered the holiday party because I was laughing so hard. Well-timed execution, Eric Bravo. I also had to take a very long pause before I reacted to yep, that reveal. <laughs> I think I said, what? Like 10 seconds after Eric said it. And that was not <laughs> like a joke or, or editing. Like I was very confused. And I try very hard to suppress my laughter because Eric and I are recording in the Multitude Studio together. So if I laughed, it would show up on your mic track. And that's not always what we want in the edit. So just know that on the inside, I was like, my stomach was clenching because I was just like, this is so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I really wanted to see it as someone that Quinn theoretically would have. Yeah. And like Sir Ronan's probably doing something else. But like Taylor Swift is like, yeah, I need to have as many holiday parties as possible. <laughs> Feels right. I got these $1,000 reindeer, this $1,000 reindeer headband. I need to use it. It me. The realist on Instagram, Eric, would like to know if you could please sing as Taylor Swift in a future episode. Uh, Not in a future episode, but I could just like do it right now because Red is a really good album. Yeah. yeah because please. Loving You is Red. Na, 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 na. <laughs> loving You is Red. You That's did also do that when we were driving in the car during the blizzard. So. I was going to say, I think yes. you did do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Red is a great album. It's it's actually a good album. I'm like not a Taylor Swift fan per se because there's like too much going on. But I listened to Red all the way through and I thought it was really sick during when I was listening to it in college. I'm a big fan of the newest album, The Folklore. Well, great segue, Julia, because Holly Jessica on Instagram wants to know, is the infamous folklore's track, The Lakes, actually based on Taylor's trip to Lake Town City? <gasps> yes. I hope so. I mean, headcount accepted. Um, Satchadesh on Instagram uh, saying that they are wheezing over the Entanglement episode. Give us Dr. Morrow and Taylor's interaction, please. I don't think they would... <laughs> I feel like when you have two celebrities in a room, they don't necessarily want to acknowledge each other. It's like, I'm sitting on different parts of the restaurant. So I don't know if they ever would have acknowledged each other. But I definitely think Dr. Morrow would have been like, ah, I need to make those boots that make me six inches taller without anybody else noticing. <laughs> the bootlegs. But I'm sure. Go. Good job, Julia. <laughs> Abigail Spates and many other people asked, how does Taylor feel about January? Oh, my God. So many people ask this. Um, Taylor Swift is delighted by January, obviously, <laughs> as everyone do does. Uh, January was also doing Casey at the Bat a bunch, which <laughs> was a joke that I love personally. I thought it was very funny. Um, Eric, I had to Google what Casey at the Bat it was <laughs> when I was editing. <laughs> it's like a, it's a poem about... Like Americana and baseball that like people recite. It's like one of those old old timey like early twentieth century recitation poems um, about like a, a baseball player who's like a mythical player who's washed up and like needs to have like his final at, at bat. But I just thought it was funny of uh, that this little bunny rabbit would recite it all the time and knew all the words. To oh, it's it. hilarious! <laughs> it's it's, like, it's <laughs> very correct. It's January's version of me saying the Raven when drunk at parties. Yes. Yep. yes. 100%. In my head canon, January learned the Casey at bat uh, while he was still a non-sentient rabbit. He was just a regular rabbit. Mm. Just really mm. liked it. Yeah. And mm. then he sprung rhythmic. forth with his sentience and uh, spouting the po poem. Incredible. That sounds about right. For sure. Uh, but yeah, January, I think Taylor Swift took a photo with January. It was adorable. Taylor Swift is now part of the squad, has a Taylor Swift black card, which a bunch of people asked me about. Uh, yeah, January has that. January is like Kylie Kloss and um, Cara Delevingne and January all get like brunch together now. I also Sweet. had to ask Lauren about what that was too. <laughs> <laughs> It's just Taylor Swift. I know it's not like a thing anymore because Taylor Swift like went underground and then emerged with folklore. She died, and, Eric. Oh, and then she got resurrected by Bon Iver and made yeah. folklore. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Folklore is about her resurrection, actually. Her time in Christian heaven. Yeah, she was in Christian heaven. Then Bon Iver is like, "Excuse me, I need to go get her and Come brought back. her back." <laughs> uh, and then Taylor Swift came back, and now she's a revenant <laughs> for <Nice>. for Emmys. <laughs> Mickey Backer asks to uh, to close Grammys out. for Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> to close out Taylor Swift Swift questions. Mickey Backer asks, "Who would impress Aki if they suddenly appeared at her party?" I think it would be like um, the people from the America's Test Kitchen videos. The really the really like battleship built lady with the with the with the blonde bob. Yes, yes, yes. She's like, the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the people from like P.J. Harvey from the King Arthur Baking blog. Uh, she writes my favorite recipes and therefore also Aggie's. Um, I, I think, or like the Land's End founders, the Carhartt founders. She'd be like, wow. <laughs> Bridget and Julia. That's who they are. There you go. 
Well, the thing I was most excited about uh, in these episodes is that we have kind of decided on the nomenclature of entanglements um, for these kind of interstitial episodes between arcs. Um, so, Eric, you want to talk a little bit about why we're naming that differently and why this is not just the last episode of Join Me Outside? Yeah, this is actually something that I've loved in The Adventure Zone for a long, long time, uh, something that is actually what brought Brandon and I together. Uh, on the first day of our of the job that Brandon and I hate and don't talk about anymore, but uh, <laughs> on the first day of that job, Brandon was putting up stuff in like the makeshift studio he was putting together, and he put up a bandana of the Adventure Zone, and I was like, I just listened to all those episodes, <laughs> and that's how we became friends. Um, but something that I really like from Balance is that they have the lunar interludes, which they used to do because I think that people don't like listening to level up episodes. But I do like that this is like it's outside of the um, arc itself. In between arc one and arc two of this campaign, we had the, that little bit where we fought Ma. So I wasn't thinking about it as critically. But now I'm like, I want an entanglement episode, which moves the season along. And I really feel like these are they're different, just important, but definitely outside of the arc structure that we have laid out for Join the Party. And this is something I wanted to execute on. So now uh, there is Entanglement 1, which is that last one where Ma, where they fought the Ma mech, and then we did the first Entanglements, and now we're doing this again, which is the Holiday Party Entanglements, and then speeding into spring. Jamie in Discord asks, I think, a really great question about the function that this plays. So, Eric, in your brain space, do the event tables provide a way for the characters to impact the game or narrative, but provide enough guide rails to keep the story moving along the path you've set out? And any thoughts on allowing the characters to use the plot points or complications device to bring more story options into the game? And players, I think we can answer this too. Yeah, I want to throw this over to y'all because I came up with this fun thing just to give you you all more stuff to do. So I, I, how do you all feel like about the table? Because I think that originally in, in things that are made by Wizard of the Coast is very like flat. And it was like, oh, I don't know what to do uh, here. Now you're fighting 10 goblins because the table <laughs> told me to. So do, what do you think and how are you responding to the table itself? I personally really enjoy it because I like to see the supervillains that your yeah. brain comes up with. That's the biggest selling point for me. I also like the idea of facing challenges that aren't just, hey, beat this guy up, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is usually how Val solves problems, but uh, <laughs> is trying to do new ways of solving issues. Yeah. If Valve, if Valve does that, they'll get half a level, level up. Yeah, I, like I know. I, listen, I tried to do it with the uh, most recent one with the guy at the coffee shop, but it just didn't work. <laughs> I just true. rolled bad. That's what I like most about it, um, because in the first one, I I rolled poorly, and then Julia rolled poorly, and like they don't have like major effects. Like it's not like we're like you know disowned by the superhero community, but um, it's really interesting to see those things come back in the actual like plot driven episodes. Um, I think that's really fun. Yeah, I enjoy that it, it lets me do my favorite part of combat, which is kind of fight strategy and figuring mm. out like what of my repertoire and arsenal would be the best match for the situation and, you know, have the least like civilian impact um, without the actually needing to like go through the rolls and the punching and like taking a long time, um, which is also fun in a different way. But I, I like that kind of speed option. And for me, it was really fun to world build in that way, particularly I think our first time using the entanglements table it was really fun to just get a sense of like the other people and villains that are in lake town city and also different locations like going to the light rail for the first time uh was really really cool i really love the stuff that you all rolled on this one this was very fun and like 
uh, your your relationship with with paid, with the bear and the the cowboy and the bear yeah. was my favorite. Incredible. The thing that I rolled on there was his the the conflict was MLM. So this <laughs> so this one it was fake pills, and you're like, do you have a permit? It was so funny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Juiced JCBOS on Instagram would like to know if there's an option for a recurring villain encounter. But what I'm really asking is, will we ever see the grand return of the ever resplendent emperor? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. God, I hope so. Not. This is, uh, I'm sorry to say, Brandon, but yes, 100%. Uh, there are, I have put on the table chances to see these people again uh, who have not been locked up. Um, so the emperor is on the table. It just didn't happen. And same but different, Michelle Spurgeon. Uh, I think we have to give Michelle a um, like a question asker name because she really comes through with great questions. Um, so maybe like Michelle the Spurgeon, the Spurgeon Sturgeon. I don't know. I'm just thinking about this here. <laughs> question, question Surgeon Michelle Spurgeon. There I like that. Uh, Write that down. Anyway, question Surgeon Michelle Spurgeon. The, do- the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor says, will the upcountry keepers ever try to take on any of the villains we see in the entanglements? Yes. So this is another thing. The whole reason the entanglements exist is because I want to flesh out the world when we're not doing the actual arc. So there's stuff happening all over the place. And I think that as we get into the arc that's coming up, also uh, get fucking hold on to your pants, guys, for the next episodes that are coming out. But um... (laughs) I'm just stressed out by the episodes that are coming out. Julia just like sat back and put her hands behind her head like, oh, no. Uh... But things happen when you're not interacting with it. So 100%, they're fighting, like, the ambient crime as well. Um, <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite indie band. <laughs> ambient crime. crime, yeah. That's my favorite I, I was, genre of music, yeah. That's yeah, what Spotify yeah, told me you. my top genre was for the year, yeah. But hey, Brandon, you saw them uh, open for Vampire Weekend and the Knitting Factory, right? I did, yeah. It was a terrible yeah, show. <laughs> yeah, it was, they stole it was my wallet? <laughs> Weird. They, say, they said it would start at 9, but it started at 12-12. <laughs> Uh, so stuff is happening around, which I think was something established. So yeah, it's that's on the table. I actually had one of the things on the table is the uh, running into the upcountry keepers while you're fighting something. It just didn't happen. So all these things are on the table. I, I refresh them in a way just to replace. I sometimes I replace big things when they're I don't want you to fight this person anymore. Like there was someone I've been watching all of Teen Titans lately. I ran through all of it because I missed it so much just over Thanksgiving. I loved it. Um, there is an episode with um, the character Melvin, which is a, which is original to the Teen Titans TV show, who is like a six year old who has like a giant imaginary friend. <laughs> And I wanted them as a villain uh, that went in Kermston after our good friend, Krista DiVicurio. Um, and I wanted you to deal with that. But now I feel like you're a little too overleveled for that. And that now Kermston is not going to be on there anymore. Mm. So, like, I just refresh it for the most fun things, especially now that you have relationships. We're going to have Killer Jeff might painkiller Jeff might show up again um, and show what uh, the professor. So all of that is still on the table. The, re- the resplendent emperor, I called him the professor because that's what he is. <laughs> and, and, uh, no, the professor is the man I beat up at the hockey stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was the one with the tablet. That's right. Uh, no, he was a professor of Asian American, of Asian studies yeah. at yeah. SUNY LTC. Uh, right. uh, yeah. And to close out our entanglements corner, Bray asks, uh, do you plan on completely switching out the charts between arcs or just kind of updating them to fill in numbers that were taken? Yeah, I am filling it in just for Bray. I just I looked at your question. (laughs) No, that's what I was talking about. So, yes, I fill it in to make it as, as fun as possible. But also, like, I'm totally fine if we don't do things. It's 
You know, it's whatever happens, whatever you run into. Brendan, the, also yours was really good. I really liked yours. The actuary? Yeah, the one with the actuary. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the thing that I rolled was it was Dr. Morrow's house, the actuary, and it's a prank. It wasn't happening. Yeah, so, I, I did not expect that in any way. Like, I did not expect it to be an actual prank. But <laughs> I love that the solve was like, it's fine. <laughs> like, I just ignore you. it. <laughs> I just, but like that was. I love the constellation of that. Was like you could talk about someone who knew about death, mm-hmm. and that's your specialty. So I thought that that yeah. was really sweet, especially tying in to the whole thing with the locket and the stuff, and Doctor Morrow feeling rather vulnerable. Then I was just like, oh shit, this is perfect. I have no idea what it's gonna be. This is truly a table. Like I've written all of them, but they need to fit together. I loved that moment for you. Yeah, it was great. I love the Bear XMLM crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like I'm in The Incredibles when we do the entanglements because, like, those yeah. that feels like those kind of supervillains, you know? Yeah, yes. so fun. Yeah, definitely. I just I love when our campaign feels like a comic book montage. Mm-hmm. It's just so fun. Mm. Totally. Is. All right, our our new subcategory, our new corner is Milo and his friends corner. <laughs> Brandon, just various sundry questions here. Um, are Apple and Zach kissing? For example, Tara Santora wants to know. Anybody? Yes. Eric? yes. I don't 100%. think so, right? Yes. No, no, Milo, not. why would you... Why, Milo's like, why would you say that? I, I'm So, again, I'm going with the Scott Pilgrim approach on this for Milo, which I think that Brandon and I have established, which is that in Scott Pilgrim, he has no idea that, like, one of his friends is gay the entire time. Uh, and I think that Milo just doesn't know when romantic things are happening around him. He's totally oblivious. Totally oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Desmond asks if uh, Lucas and Milo will be together next season. Milo's like, huh? What do you mean? We're together all the time. (laughs) It's not even a question of whether or not they have feelings for each other. It's I don't think Milo would even know if it was happening. Totally. I really appreciate Milo representing useless lesbians who don't know when they're on dates. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real queer mood to like maybe potentially be able to date all your friends at the same time, but never do. But listen, I think it's important to us to like leave enough kind of room and footholds and ambiguity in our characters for people to identify. And like if that's how you see yourself or see the characters, like that is what headcanon is. That is what fanon is. And like that is totally on you guys to like run with and play with. Um, and for us, I think playing out romance is not a priority in this campaign, despite the fact that both uh, both Val and Aggie had, uh, you know, vague romantic interests from pretty early on. Mm. That's not like center stage in our narrative. Totally. So, you know, y'all have fun. We enjoy that you ship it. We enjoy that you have fun and see yourselves or your uh, your fellow friends. But um, that's on you. The memes! But, you know, <laughs> if all of if all of the if all of the players uh, really want to have some like explicit sex scenes, then we could all participate. I'm good, actually. <laughs> I think that's not what we meant by the fuck cut, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Eric, uh, I really want to have an explicit sex scene. Sorry, you brought it up. Let's do it. All right, Eric and Brandon, explicit. Hang sex on, scene. X card, Julia. What's your card? Red, red card. <laughs> I will say though, I do think that like. As a whole, superhero genre relies heavily on, like, people's relationships outside of their powers. Whether or not that is romantic or not is Mm -hmm. up to us to decide. I will also say that while I, as Julia, me, myself, totally ship Milo and Lucas, I understand the need in media to represent, like, healthy male relationships with good boundaries. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. That's one of my like stalwarts in life. <laughs> Every time I see a shitty example of that on TV, I'm just like, why can't they just be good? Why can't they be good? Be better. I say to Eric all the time, men talking about their feelings because it's so rare to see. Yeah, no, that's why I cared about that more. I think it was just funny. This was Apple and Zach Rose's quote unquote relationship was a joke where I was like, well, you made a bad perception check. So like they might be kissing next to the Galego machine. (laughs) You don't know. Um, But yes, no, I care about that so much more. And I think that the relationship between Milo and Lucas now that's growing is much more important about like, trust and telling each other things and like just between two male friends yeah i don't necessarily see them as dating because i don't think lucas would even think that uh that i don't know this is weird because i control the brain of the character <laughs> and I like it and all the characters so what i will say is i feel like this arc really i agree with julia 100 percent. this arc set up a lot of stakes of relationships that everybody has here that i might uh prod on and villains might prod on uh, as they know that you have friends and family that you care about. Um, and I think that's really important. But yeah, no, I think that the story between My- Milo and Lucas that played out during the party, I think is really important. And that's going to be something that uh, we're going to touch on a lot, I'm sure. I think also um, with uh, Milo and his dad, too, like I love that relationship um, yeah. as well. Having a healthy like parental relationship and one that doesn't cross friendship boundaries in an inappropriate way, but also is like supportive and encouraging and... Uh, emotionally available there is is really important to have in media too hell yeah uh great question on this topic from fennel sauce on twitter did milo kind of low-key want lucas to figure out his superhero identity was there a small part of him thinking if he sees through this it would maybe not be the worst thing ever sees through this very nice good job um, <laughs> of course <laughs> like milo if milo didn't think he would get him killed and all his friends killed he would tell everyone yeah <laughs> he wants to be a famous superhero more than anything else like for sure uh the funny thing is that brandon we talked about how the like spider-man and ned relationship from the newest spider-man movies mm-hmm. and that was what fennel was referring to at the end of the tweet too it's like yeah that, that's what it's, that, i feel like we're getting close to that and i just i love that yeah Totally. Well, as all of us uh, recover from thinking about the emotional availability of our childhoods, I'm going to go into the kitchen and get more vegan eggnog. Be right back. Eggnog. Hey, it's Eric. Buying presents is one of my favorite things to do. And even though it's not actually part of any sort of religious holiday, you know, put into my actual one, the way that Hanukkah kind of accepts that from Christmas is one of my favorite things to do. Finding something that is representative of what a person thinks they like but doesn't even know they like and wouldn't buy for themselves or wouldn't even know about it is a joy. It represents that you know them maybe a little bit better than they do, or at least to some degree, and it's nice. Now, I know a lot of you out there might not like doing this because it's a lot of pressure, but I have faith in you. This is such a wonderful thing to do, and you can make someone feel so good, and I believe you. Welcome to the mid-roll. I got you one of those silicone pebble ice things so that you can make more drinks. I know you'd like that. Hello to our new patrons, Bailey, Grant, Elise, Jeff, Jenny, Zochelle, Heather, Laura, Tiva, J. Paul, 90, Flo, Fio, Angie, Charlotte, and Simon. We'd like to thank every single one of our supporters on Patreon. You truly make it possible for this to be our jobs, especially in 2020, which is ending in 2021 isn't going to be all that different all from that. So we still need your support and thank you. 
We love talking to you every day on our Discord, where you can get pics of dogs that are shaped like bagels and cats that are shaped like loaves on the daily. There's also bonus content from this campaign and campaign one, including exclusives like the Join the Team miniseries, which is wrapping up very, very soon. If you want to hear me and three of our wonderful podcast friends play a game that I invented with Misha Stanton about high school drama and football, you need this now. If you're able, join for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash join the party pod. And if you haven't checked your Patreon for a while, please do so. We made tears like a while ago, and a lot of you are still on the old ones. So if you're still on the old ones, you're not getting those sweet, sweet rewards. Come on. Patreon.com slash join the party pod. I want to tell you about a wonderful thing that I wrote with our very own Julia Shafini in a special Join the Party Spirits crossover event, the Cool Krypton Compendium. This is a system agnostic manual with stats and descriptions of 20 different creatures from folklore from around the world. D&D is built around monster slaying, but a lot of the time you don't want to kill the monster. And what even makes a monster in the first place? Why should we build adventures around killing it for glory and gold? So, in the Cool Cryptid Compendium, these creatures are like strange and wondrous NPCs you can put in to dot your world. They have likes and dislikes, personalities and goals. They are complex and require more than hacking and slashing to interact with. No matter what gaming system you use, you'll get inspiration for these characters that are way more than just a big bad. This would be perfect to slot into a Monster of the Week campaign, or you need a fun mythical NPC or villain for your mask campaign. It would work anywhere. It's also so beautiful, with illustration and design by the lovely Zoe Palando Ryder. You gotta check this out. It's gonna be wonderful for you or all of your monster-loving friends that you can get them for their holiday fun. That is at, exclusively, jointhepartypod.com slash merch. We are sponsored this week by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service. Here's the thing. That bone witch, the one that rolls the bones with the bird bones and all that, she just doesn't understand what I'm talking about. I'm trying to talk about my lived experience, how some people don't aren't validating, and I really need that, and I'm just really in a tough spot right now, and she just keeps rolling the bones and saying, a blood moon! going to come and I need something else. That's why I'm turning to BetterHelp. They connect you with licensed counselors through the secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. You can also message your counselor in between sessions if you're worrying about something or you think of a topic you want to cover in your next call instead of just like waiting for the middle of the night and lighting some candles and maybe the bone witch will show up. Who knows? BetterHelp wants... BetterHelp wants to help you find the best therapeutic match possible. It is easy and free to switch counselors if you need to. And BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional counseling and doesn't require you giving a, your firstborn like it is to the Bone Witch. So you can get financial aid if you need. You can get 10% off your first month of counseling by signing up at BetterHelp.com slash join the party. That's BetterHelp.com slash join the party for 10% off your first month. Better, H-E-L-P.com slash join the party. We are also sponsored this week by our old friends at 20-Sided Store. There is truly something for everyone at 20-Sided Store, whether you're buying gifts for loved ones or something new for yourself and treating your dice addiction. Their website has a staff pick section that can help you find new stuff too. Like if there's a board game that like needs to be not too dark but not too hard and maybe it's like set in a forest, you might be able to find that there. 
I wonder if that exists. I'm actually not even sure. So head to 20fullwordsidedstore.com to check out all they have to offer. And when you do, remember to use the code JOINTHEPARTY for 20% off your online order. And finally, we are sponsored this week by HelloFresh. They help you save time and money by delivering easy-to-make recipes right to your door with stress-free, no-contact delivery. They also have a huge variety of options each week, which helps me break out of my cooking rut of the same two or three dinners. They also have kid-friendly and vegetarian options if you need that. And best of all, in my mind, it's flexible. So if you need to add something extra, change dates, skip a week, it's super easy to do. We made pork chops the other day with little adorable tiny containers of jam to add to a pan sauce. HelloFresh loves a pan sauce, and I love tiny jars. Go to HelloFresh.com slash JoinThePARTY8080 and use code JoinThePARTY8080 to get 80 dollars off including free shipping that's hellofresh.com slash join the party 80 and use code join the party 80 to get 80 dollars off including free shipping and now back to the show all right guys our cups are refilled and i want to just give us a little um, aperitif question, which is not a question and a comment from out of cold text on Twitter. Um, Listening to the Christmas party, if a superhero name for Quinn hasn't been decided, I'd like to throw cohesion into the deliberation mix. That is so much better than every sticky name we've come up with so far. Better than Lil Sticky. (laughs) Old Stickums. (laughs) <laughs> sticky hands I'm sorry but Quinn has decided that sticky must be in the name so it's got to be <laughs> sticky cohesion <laughs> I just thought that was great thank you cohesion is a great name I don't think Quinn is, ha- is has the ability to stay stuck on being a superhero for long enough to get a code name so, Fair. <laughs> so, Fair and valid. so yeah but I love that I think that's great well, here are just a grab bag of awesome random questions. Thank you guys. You really came through in particular for this AP. Um, and we love how many questions we're getting these days, particularly from Instagram. Um, so just the question I had in my notebook, harkening back to episode 17. Eric, can you tell us about the golem mechanics? Ah, uh, the golem box. Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure when I was going in there. I knew that it, whatever you wanted to do, you know, I have the mechanics of putting together like if you want to make a figure or a conjuration, it was going to be like conjure elemental, uh, but you wanted to do it in this different way. And then I just made the falling. Me- so the mechanics of the, the museum falling down was that if it got like hit, the walls were hit like three or four or five times, then it uh, the whole thing would come down and you all need to get out of there. So the golem just negated one of those if it made strength rolls. And I'm just like DC 15, bing, bang, boom. I thought that that was incredibly innovative. And that's why I gave you the uh the level up which is like some uh some inspiration stuff i thought that was really great it was also something i've been thinking about since you first walked into dr morrow's office like she had a tiny golem box on Mm -hmm. her on her desk and i was like oh this is a great item i I, I need to use it i love it so much (laughs) i can't believe you wanted milo to be unemployed what the hell Listen, if if a if a giga bear that hate that hates the building wants to destroy it, then that's what happens. Do you remember the great giga bear incident in podcasting in 2016, where the giga bear destroyed all of podcasting for a bit? Oh, oh no, I don't. Yeah, we lost nice. our jobs. Oh, that's right. Um, can I ask a question about the museum fight? Sure. Were there other mechanics, like other items, we could have used during the fight besides the golden box in the museum? 
Oh, shit. And besides the robot. Oh, yeah. All right. I have pulled up my notes from this fight. Um, I actually just wanted to let you guys kind of do whatever you wanted. Uh, I wanted to put the stuff in the lobby. So there was a stuff in the lobby you can interact with. But, hey, um, I did not know that there was a robot in the museum just hanging out. (laughs) Thank you for giving that to me. (laughs) Yeah, but Milo looked for it. He theoretically would be there. It obviously goes beep boop because robots go beep boop, which was one. a, which was a gift for me. And I thought that that was just really smart. So I wanted to give you things that were around there. Um, I do have specific notes that are around. Um, so the walls had a ten damage threshold with an HP of twenty five. Uh, damage threshold means you have to go over ten or it doesn't work. This usually happens for constructs. Um, four walls down means that the buildings uh, started to collapse and you had one round to get out of there uh, I did have the model drones the drones that were sent were sent in um, that was something that would happen about like a round two if uh, Gutenberg thought that things were breaking bad which it did because Julia was punching the shit out of that bear um, <laughs> here's something I wanted to talk about I wrote down that Lucas is a commoner he has plus one to intelligence and that's it he has an HP of 10 in my head, Jeez. I was like, no, that's not fair. He He's a little bit better. I'll give him an HP of 11. <laughs> and Milo rolled H. You get, then you oh, you would have killed Lucas. You would have killed your friend. Okay, excuse me. Not I on did purpose, not, but you no, would have. Mm, I did not kill anyone. This was, you made this rule for Lucas on <laughs> HP, and then you took Lucas, his HP away from him. It is all on you, sir. <laughs> I don't know I, about oh, that. You, it was a roll on the on the thing. But you know, but you rolled max. You had to roll a d10, and you rolled a ten, which was oh, you, the, the, yeah, you're right. it was you. You suck. You gain HP from every person within like twenty feet of you as you pull energy from them, and that's why you got the HP bonus. And then you rolled, <laughs> and then I told you to roll a d10, depending on what how much you got from each person, and then you rolled a ten, and I'm like. Oh, and I wrote down, and I'm like, in my head before, I was like, Lucas has 11. And then when you did it, I'm like, <laughs> oh, thank God. Uh, this brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, Eric. Uh, when I was editing the, this episode, I wrote a note in my notes app that just says APQs and has one bullet point in all caps that says, Eric, are there actually any good outcomes on this spirit search table? <laughs> there are good outcomes. You've gotten a few of them. Like you want, There was one you got the big, the big fists. You got? That's true. That's true. That was one. You've definitely gotten some other ones. I will say that um, I change them according to, like, how I think your relationship with the ghost is going. Mm -hmm. So, like, sometimes you have better ones. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's they are neutral. Most of them are neutral. But then you are put in a terrible situation (laughs) where it doesn't help. Like, that theoretically could have been really helpful. It just so happens that three of your friends were standing by. (laughs) That's true. That's true. true. I guess that's true. Yeah, so that's just that's just what happened with happened there. Uh, but yes, I promise there are good ones on there. I I'll, promise. I'll relate it back to editing Brandon later then. <laughs> let cool. let cool. him know. Cool. Um, for those of you asking, I used uh, the Gorilla Scout stats. I have this this big um, this big thing that I always pull from, which is this wonderful NPC compendium uh, using classes and subclasses for players. So I use Gorilla Scout stats for Quinn as uh, she was running around. Uh, here's what happened: um, the big the big shot that happened for Volcani. Um, if Volcani got thrown through a wall or uh, thrown through a window, then that was a reaction that the person who texted uh, who texted them uh, would ask if they needed help. Mm. That's another thing. Sweet. Um, and then I wrote down the specifically the stuff with the drones. 
um, that they can do. Yeah, and the shot was uh, was actually the spell lightning bolt, which I reskinned oh, cool. coming out of a big energy cannon. Nice. Um, and also, yeah, who knows what would have happened if you clicked the keychain? God damn it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. It's very high stakes. We would have gotten sushi. One of them gets sushi, yeah. <laughs> A guy in a delivery uniform would have given you sushi. Radiant heating was turned on under all Lake Town City roads. <laughs> I need you to confirm to me, Eric, that we did correctly get that one of them does actually get sushi. Here are the ones that you've pushed. Yellow is power. Blue, I've written I've written down here. I can if you want to confirm, I'm trying to see if I can I don't I don't I don't believe you. Blue, a lot of sushi is delivered to the office. Okay, good. <laughs> That's like one. It's like one of those Amazon buttons where <laughs> yeah. you get Tide Pods. It's like that, but for sushi. <laughs> oh my goodness! Incredible. Yes, that is in my notes. Uh, question, Julia from Otto in Discord. Um, as an NB, it makes me so 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 happy that nobody misgenders Val. But I was wondering how everyone knows how to gender Volcani properly. Um, I have a twofold answer to this. One is in canon and one is kind of like background mechanics stuff the background mechanics answer is we don't want to represent misgendering in our podcast right and the in canon kind of joke answer is i imagine volcani just yells their pronouns whenever they arrive on the scene <laughs> for stuff <laughs> either that or just like everyone in lake town city is very good about asking for personal pronouns before talking about people Listen, if we are making a fantasy world, exactly. it might as well be a fantasy world with no misgendering. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is a good this is a good world. Minus all the supervillains, you know. <laughs> yeah, besides the supervillains. Uh, a very sweet question from Silk Rust via email, uh, who is ten years old. Um Starting a D&D podcast, I'd love some advice to make it. I'm a first time DM. My friend is a first time player. Do you have any advice? First of all, you're you're adorable. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> to us. Um, I think at this point, if you're just you're just doing it and you're ten years old, like just remember it's a game. Have fun. Like may may do interesting things that impress both the DM and your player. Like do and build a story. Like do it do it together. I think it's both the responsibility of the DM and the player to hold the responsibility of telling the story together. Um, and that's really the core of what we're doing here. Yeah, maybe get a, a a parent or a older sibling to worry about the tech stuff, so you can just focus on having fun. Because that's the yeah. most important thing is having fun. Unless you're really good at tech stuff, I don't know. Unless you're super genius, are you super genius? Are you like Tony Stark? Is this Stark? Doctor Mare Morrow past, but in the future? <laughs> maybe pre doctor. Maybe you are Silka. <laughs> Um, and then at the end uh, of the email, would Anara become friends with Aggie, Tracy with Milo, or Cole with Val? I think yes for Anara and Aggie, totally. Cole and Val, I could see, yeah. I, I would love to see Cole and Val in a wrestling ring. Are you kidding me? Oh, my be God. be so much fun. <laughs> I don't know if Milo and Tracy would get along. No, Brandon, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think Milo would find Tracy fascinating. I don't know if Tracy would want to hang out with my with Milo. I think they're too like they're they have too similar of mindsets, you know? Like they're it's like similar rebel kind of thing. <laughs> well, hearkening back to campaign one as well, Jess in Discord asked a question that made both Eric and I go, Oh yeah, that's right. Which is uh, in campaign one, what the hell was O'Cake's backstory? How did she get away from Gordon? Why was she in Fidopolis, etc.? Question mark, question mark question mark we never did what answer I, that no what i love about this was 
just you all were not interested in Gordon Lightfoot, <laughs> Lighthammer, <laughs> which I think is totally fine because he was a doofus so I could use my rowly wrestler voice. Um, but yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that Oatcake was just his dog. And then Oatcake ran away at one point. I, I had a, a larger backstory written, but it never, it just never came out. So I had this idea because of the boxing and it was like part of his shtick. And like Oatcake was like a show dog and all of this stuff. So it wasn't a great relationship that they had. It was a real Airbud situation, but <laughs> instead of a, a clown, it was a wrestler. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, you all weren't really interested in it. So it just never really came up. A real airbed situation is the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> I do like airbed rules as a, a just like shorthand that people our age know. Yes. Yeah. Like, if, it, if it's not in the rule book, then it's not a rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlotte asked via email, uh, what got you into D&D and were there any games that specifically started you up? I'm new to D&D, but realized listening to your pod that my friends and I have been playing kind of simplified DNA in the form of just like a storytelling game. That's fun. Um, I think this is such a fun question about like that you use games for storytelling reasons and just like thing like folk games just to tell a story. I remember a while ago, I don't even remember how this started. I used to do a thing with my friends called Scenario or Scenario, but my friend Hattie calls it Scenario because that's <laughs> obviously how you pronounce it. And it was just like someone would tell me like a genre or something that we wanted all of our friends to be involved in. And I would just tell that story. It wasn't really a game and they just told me to do it. And then I did it, which I loved. Have you played the, the car ride game where you like, you do, I forget if it's like a sentence or a paragraph, but then you just like round robin it and like build the story that way. No. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Someone starts with a prompt and then you guys just go like, this happened, and then this thing happened. Oh, it's cause and effect. So you have to do a cause, and then an effect, and then a cause, and then an effect, and then a cause and effect. Oh, I love oh, that. Oh, that's really that is that's really cool. I can yeah, see that fun. happening in an entanglement episode or something like that. Yes. Oh, that does that actually sounds really nice. Um, yeah. No, I did, I was thinking about folk games and storytelling like that. Yeah, and I, I think what's fun is saying, you know, oh, like of all of our friend group, who would be what role in a heist? Like that's yes. kind of scenario. <laughs> that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, and I think that's great. Like for me, the first time I like role played in gaming really was playing Betrayal at House on the Hill with you, Eric. Mm-hmm. And you guys were like, oh yeah, we like to sort of like voice the characters, you know, and just like role play it a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's right. You can just do that. Yeah. And it was a really, um, not approachable necessarily, but like just a, a way that allowed my brain to get a little bit silly and be a little bit vulnerable and like play, you know, an eight-year-old like Boy Scout um, without feeling like, oh my God, I am, you know, on mic playing a character because that's my introduction to D&D as a player. You really liked being Ox Bellows. I love Ox Bellows, man. Ox Bellows <laughs> for life. <laughs> I'll also say in terms of like collaborative storytelling, I was super into like forum-based role play, like text. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's why I said role playing in games because uh, both Julie and I like role played on Neopets mm-hmm. and Gaia Online and various places <laughs> since I, for me, I was like nine. I was yeah, I was going to say like 10 probably, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Someone asked me yesterday how I learned to start a business, and I was like, I don't know. I sold like CSS skins for fo- for, for for profiles on Neopets. Yep, <laughs> twenty years, like fifteen yes, years ago. Did. I started. Uh, I like. I think everyone kind of does this, right? Like, I think all kids do this. I when I was, if you have siblings, at least, um, me and my siblings used to play like just sort of like role playing games as as kids. Like, I remember we used to play orphans as a game, <laughs> where we would <laughs> pretend our parents had passed away. Oh, cool. <laughs> 
we, uh, Connor we, and I would actually play scientists where he was a scientist. Yeah. And I was, uh, I don't know, like a, maybe just like a, a friend, but like, it was really fun. Yeah. yeah you just so kind of do those things. I like, <laughs> I have two questions. One, Brandon, what did your parents think about that, huh? I think it's funny. <laughs> uh, Amanda, why were you just a friend to the scientists? I don't know. I'm mixing things up. There was another one where I liked to play a turtle because I just hid under the blanket. Um, so I'll have to, I'll have to ask Connor and get back to you. All right, write down. Why was I the friend of the scientists? Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear the uh, sad only child version of that, you just do it by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. I think uh, like role playing games in D anD D is just an excuse for adults to be able to do that again without like fear of judgment. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought the Dungeons and Dragons was supposed to be fun? (laughs) <laughs> wild not. Eric you mean it's not about recreating World War II <laughs> yeah it's about uh. combat and fighting <laughs> and murder Rowan asks uh, random question during episode 18 is Milo afraid of the dark I wonder where that came from um, I don't think so um, I honestly haven't thought about that much to be, to be honest because I don't think there's been a lot of in game experiences where Milo is like in the dark like pure dark and then the second part of the question, um, conveniently, was what are the PCs and NPCs afraid of? Mm. Not like existential fears, but more kind of tangible or physical ones. Yeah. I think Aggie's afraid of black ice. Can't see it coming. Can't predict it. <laughs> of course. Chaotic. Such, 100%. such a, like, uh, God, like, useful fear to have. <laughs> uh, Dez does not like spiders. He thinks eight legs is too many legs. It is too many legs. It's too many legs. I mean, this is a little bit ex- existential, but I do think Milo's scared of, like, like failing but not in the existential sense just like he really doesn't like doing something wrong (laughs) he's scared of doing it wrong (laughs) for someone who communes with death and named himself after space i think something having something very tangible makes a lot of sense (laughs) i like genuinely can't think of a good fear for val that is like a, a tangible thing that one could fear I think like maybe heights. This is, and this comes from like my own personal fear. I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of like being at a height where there is no boundary between me and falling off of the thing that I'm at the height of. Like That's airplanes, a reasonable fear. Great. Yes, I I understand, <laughs> but like I'm fine on airplanes. But if I was like standing on the like edge of a cliff and looking down, that would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, I also think Miles afraid of birds. Okay. (laughs) Maybe he shouldn't have, uh, you know, recreated a bunch of turkey carcasses then. Yeah, he did that to himself. Do you ever think that's that's why he became afraid of birds, Julia? Maybe. It's a new fear. He did it to himself. Oh, yeah. Dez also doesn't like clowns. That's valid. Completely true. Dez is correct. I was going to. What if, what if, Eric? What if? Unless. What if? What if? Marvel presents what if. There it is. What if uh, Des is a, a birthday party clown sometimes on the off days? No, because he hates it. <laughs> also, he's paid very well by Dr. Morrow. Maybe he once did like an immersion therapy um, attempted and then was just like, this is not worth it. <laughs> uh, I fucking hate this. No. <laughs> Milkqualia asks on Instagram, what's everyone's drunk habit and is Aggie's cleaning? I think Aggie's is not cleaning. I think Aggie's <laughs> is at the end of a party to sit on the couch, listen to a record or like, you know, watch some public access television and then go to bed and leave the dishes for tomorrow. 
That's wild. Hera, though I do think you you did clean during during the, the holiday. Oh yeah, party. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Aggie was sober. She was had to like keep an eye on the whole interaction. Oh uh, right, right, right. As we established from the party, Val likes to pick people up over their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Milo likes just talks louder than he should. You know. Yeah. Yep. I think that we saw your two, yeah, with Val pick people up and Milo tells secrets when he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he's only to, only to Lucas. We're in his, we're in your head, so it's funny, but we, that we already knew these things. So he's like, "I think Quinn is pretty," and we're like, "Yeah, we know, Milo. <laughs> <laughs> you made it real obvious, bro." Nipona Ekimultiverse on Twitter asks if, um, now that Way of Mercy has become an official subclass, if I've considered switching to the official version, or if I'm continuing to use Way of Tranquility, which is Aggie's current subclass that was in UA, and then I kind of took like a homebrewed version that fixed a little bit of the healing mechanics. Um, from a person on Reddit. Uh, yeah, I I think that Way of Mercy is interesting. When I made the character, it wasn't official, um, of course. And it's more of like a plague doctor, which I'm not really interested in being. Mm. Um, so I, I'm I'm good with, with Tranquility for now. I think that you, that Way of Tranquility has the thing, you haven't done it yet, but I think is the thing that defines Aggie in my head, which is the ability to get someone to stop being aggro or yeah. stop being aggressive and stop fighting. Um, and that's what I feel like is Aggie's entire deal as a monk well the plague doctor is like i'll heal you but also poison yeah, yeah. <laughs> no tranquility and mercy seem very opposite in my mind yeah. for all you nerds out there i did a d- dig into it uh tranquility was from the ua uh, before xanathars back in like mm. 2016 2017 like the way the kensi monk which is in xanathars which is giving a monk a weapon was in that while way of uh, way of mercy was something that was introduced in ua in 2020 and then got published in tasha's um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that it's also something very endemic about what Wizards of the Coast thinks they should be in d d It's like, oh, no one wants to be a not fighter, so we're going to give them a mask and give them poison damage. And I'm like, some people want to do this, guys. Yeah. Some people yeah. just don't want to fight, and that's okay. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know. They wouldn't, you wouldn't think, but uh, that's true. I very much chose the subclass based on some of the higher level um, moves that Aggie will get. So I'm excited to see you guys like see Aggie come into her own because I wanted to play a character who sort of kept her powers on the down low and didn't really engage with them a lot. But for narrative reasons, that's not interesting. So I feel like Aggie has been just kind of, you know, a support character in a lot of ways. But I think as her, you know, either she decides to use her powers more or has to use her powers more. And as I mechanically level up and get better powers, um, that it'll be hopefully interesting to see. Also, don't wear a plague doctor mask, please. That's too spook. No, no, no. Too, too scary. <laughs> do not. I do not like it. <laughs> Sister Pamples on Twitter asks, my husband thought of a question for El Silvero, uh, Eric here. So uh, Mr. Sister Pamples asks, did you know from the beginning who the, quote, villain of the story would be or have our hero's choices, how superhero to be, not teaming up with Emily, et cetera, changed what you had in mind? Oh, that's a good question. I always wanted Gutenberg to be lurking in the background. It's something that I had in the back of my head. And now that I've, as you've heard, watched all of Teen Titans. (laughs) I really like his, you could have a parallel to Slade in the Teen Titans show. I think that him being in the back, lurking, always being around, you don't really know what he's doing until something that he pops up, which is something we learned until the bear, you thought it was a giant scary bear, and then, oh, it's made out of pixels. Ah, shit. Ah, fuck. And like, we didn't know. We haven't talked about him in how long? 
So I think that that's something I'm really liking about Gutenberg. But to the second half, that means everything else can change. He is the only thing that I planned from the beginning, and then the way that it happened was the way that it happened. I was very clear from the beginning of this that, like, you could join Emily or not. You could be super heroic or not. You can do this the way that you want because so much was up for grabs while I have this backbone. Like, I control the arc structure. Like, here's how long I think this is going to take. Here's how long I think this is going to take. Here is, like, this main backbone. But, like, everything else, all the meat, all the guts and the organs and the fun stuff, that's all the players. <laughs> Eric Silver, all the guts and the organs and the fun stuff, 2020. <laughs> My literal job is is bones, like skeleton stuff. We're working on, like, a, on a podcaster kit for Multitude, which is going to come out soon. And, like, I realized my entire job as the head of creative is just, like, pre-production was just, like, structure your show. If you, it's it's a structure of a podcast is the bones, and sometimes, and most of the times you don't want to see the bones, but sometimes you want to see the bones. <laughs> and, like, that's how I feel about all shows, but especially the DM's relationship to the players in a D&D game. I'm going to close out before we, we hit Spoily Corner uh, with a question from Megan Corner. Uh, Val, would you rather never eat pizza for the rest of your life or never be able to cuddle any dogs? I'm sorry to get so dark here. Oh, oh no. You know what? I think Val would go with the never eat pizza ever again because there's a million dishes in Italian cuisine that you can enjoy, but a dog, you, you, you have to cuddle the dogs. You could just unfold a calzone, I suppose. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of, um, animal shows on Disney plus. And I've never wanted to cuddle an animal more than I want to cuddle bears. They are the fluffiest little friends ever. Bears are the best. I know they're killing machines, but they're amazing and wonderful. Yes. Well, what a perfect transition to Spoily Corner, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Laura on Instagram, is Eric in a dare to see how many bears he could feature in his D&D campaign? <laughs> I fucking love bears. Get off my back. They're my favorite animal. They're fucking tight. Just say? fucking deal with it. Who can say? And it's, it's upstate New York. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't have put this in Spoily Corner. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's let's get into the true spoilies. Pearl Wisdom. Dr. M has always seemed nefarious to me, but everyone seems to trust her blindly. Big reveal coming, question mark? Who can, Who can say? say? Who can say? Eyes emoji. Uh, <laughs> question surgeon Michelle Spurgeon. Did Dr. Mayor Morrow know that the Giga Bear was another pixel threat like the bombs? Who can, Who say? can say? I want to know, too. <laughs> Jayangs. Is Val actually Valentine from Campaign 1, but in a trench coat? <gasps> <laughs> no no but good question good question um mel 118 when is the jtp album dropping i'm loving these theme song rewrites you can get the new theme song on our, our merch store yeah please go buy it. i i think they're referring to eric's incredible uh christmas songs oh oh i assumed it was about brandon that's why i put it in there that's so funny. Brandon, will you make another band camp for the stuff that you that for anything you've compiled? I know that you're writing less for campaign two, but is there anything else? Um, I don't I can't resell it because just of legal reasons, but I could probably put oh. it somewhere as like a package. That'd um, be tight. But uh I will one, I've had a, a fun time putting jingle bells and um tuning <laughs> Eric singing on the podcast. <laughs> wow. Wow. He's auto-tuned? Wow. Oh no. And uh, I will cut that out and you can buy it for 40 cents on our <laughs> merch store. <laughs> Incredible. Um, Macqualia 2001, 
what is so important about the locket? Why is Mayor Morrow so sad when she can't find it? Who can say? Who can say? say? (laughs) And multiple people to close us out. Is this all a simulation? Better not be. I really (laughs) hope not at this point. I mean, our campaign is in your imagination. So in that sense, yes. That's true. But they all think we're still stuck in the danger fun zone. Yeah, because they saw because they saw Clippy slash Steven. They I sure should hope not, because that means Clippy's still around. Yeah. Who can say? Who can really say? <laughs> honestly. Well, everybody, thank you so much for bringing us such amazing questions, for engaging with our content, for supporting us. And uh, we have actually gotten at some of these spoilies in episodes that we have since played. And I can't wait for you to hear them. I know we say this all the time and it sucks to hear, but I'm sorry. Deal with it. (laughs) Episodes coming up are the best ones ever. I am so excited and proud of all of you for the work that you've all put into the plot and these episodes and i just like oh oh my god i can't so hell yeah dog eric you've been knocking your teammate out of the park there is there is no park for eric anymore he's he's beyond park thank (laughs) you the sign says no dming here get out (laughs) only eric's i am i'm really i really love a lot of the stuff that we've done in this campaign but like these next episodes i'm really stoked for all of you um hey remember when we built all those relationships that your characters have oh no are you saying that having stakes in the world makes it uh easier and more risky to put those stakes on the line who can say (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of which i feel like that was a mean thing to say can we can we tease anything so that uh the people are not just like we have to wait No, I think that, yeah, the relationships that people are going to do together are going to come together. A lot of stuff's going to happen. I think that that's really something to look forward to is that, like, it's not just like, oh, new things. It's like lots of lots of stuff for all characters are going to happen. Also, um, hey, keep an eye on your your feeds for something that might be an empty slot. Uh, on that week around Christmas, maybe mm. December twenty second. Maybe there'll be something. Uh. Something a little fantastical with a, with a fun special guest that's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Who can say? Who can say? Well, th- that was such a nice new after party. Hey, everyone should go buy the cool cryptid compendium, which you can find on Hell either yeah. the Join the Party or the Spirits merch stores. And we're going to see you next week for a whole new episode. So get out of here. Woo! Later. Bye, guys. May your rolls trend ever upward. Few, few, few. 30 and 30 media luminary, Madam McLaughlin. Few, few, few. These are really discordant emotions that we're going out on. <laughs> Bye, guys. 